You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey there, Buffalo Bills fans. Welcome back to Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast here on buffalorumblings.com and everywhere else you go to get your fine Buffalo Bills related podcasts. My name is John Boccasino. If you don't know, let me fill you in. My colleague is Jamie D'Amico, and we are here each and every week bringing you our takes on the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, Jamie, it's this is really it's a frustrating time of year for at least myself personally. I want this season to get here so quickly. There's so much hype. There's so much hope. There's so much expectations for this team. But I also really want to enjoy summer. So it's it's kind of, I'm torn. I want week one in the Steelers game to get here, but I want to enjoy the summer vacation, the great summer weather we're going through. Do you kind of feel the same struggle? You don't want to wish your way through the summer, right? You You want to enjoy it for all that it is. I, I think maybe what we need is to figure out how to get the NFL to provide 52 weeks of season. Make it a 52-game schedule. <laughs> <laughs> 52 games. Well, we might need to expand the rosters a little bit to uh, to accommodate that. Maybe you have some games that are like, I don't know, lack the significance of the the, the real games during the, the, the calendar year beginning. But it's... I, I, I get it and I'm with you. I don't want to wish away. I'm a huge golfer. I'm not a great golfer, but I like to golf. I, I like to go outside and I go for runs and walks and chill in my pool. And, you know, we've, we've worked so hard to get to this summer, but the summer is challenging for Bills fans, not only because, you know, other than the mandatory, uh, you know, OTAs and the rookie mini camps, there's really not a lot that we can discuss, you know, there, there's, there's not that much that's happening, but there is one rumor I want to say, because it's been given credence at both, you know, the local level WGR has talked about this, the national level, Stephen A. Smith, uh, Skip Bayless, and all those other talking hairdos have, have mentioned this topic. And it's one area that I don't necessarily know. I thought about until the topic came up and it's an area where the bills could theoretically improve and make Josh Allen probably the most lethal quarterback in the league. It's an addition of a wide receiver, Julio Jones, who is uh, clearly not happy with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, He had a hot mic that caught him saying that he wanted to get the heck out of Atlanta. And so he's obviously open to leaving behind the Falcons. And what are your like just first thought when you heard this rumor of Julio Jones possibly coming to Buffalo, what was your first reaction? My first reaction was, 
No, that never happens. You know, the Bills never get top-notch players. Okay, they got Terrell Owens that one time, but that's only because nobody else was bidding for him. And then I got to thinking, who is Julio Jones? And where are the Buffalo Bills right now? So the Buffalo Bills obviously were a step away from making the Super Bowl. And Brandon Bean has admitted that he's looking under every rock out there to try to improve the roster, but also desperately trying to maintain continuity in order to do that. So when I got to thinking about Julio Jones, it sort of went back to the beginning. When he was traded for, ultimately, by the Atlanta Falcons, who gave up five draft picks and moved up 20 spots in the 2011 draft to select him. They went from 26 to number six, and they took him because they, I think it was Thomas Dimitrov, who was the general manager at the time, said, this guy is a surefire Hall of Famer. Not only is he 6'3", 220 pounds, but he can play. He can move. He's got great hands. He runs great routes. He's a good teammate. And they got everything they could have ever wanted out of the guy. Um, Going through some of his statistics, the dude averages 84 receptions a season and almost 1,300 yards. He's been to seven Pro Bowls. He's been an All-Pro twice. He's number 20 all-time on the receptions list. Number 29 in receiving, uh, I'm sorry, I've got that wrong. He's number 20 all-time in receiving yards, number 29 all-time on the reception list. This guy's been in the league for 10 years, and he's still great. He had a, oh gosh, what was it? A almost 1,400 receiving yard season just two years ago. This guy is great. He's definitely well. So, what is what is Julio, uh, Jamie? I think he's thirty-one or thirty-two years old. He is yep. coming off a season where he battled some injuries and some ailments. Uh, he only had fifty-one catches for seven hundred and seventy-one yards, but doing quick crunching of the numbers via ProFootballReference.com, he averaged more than fifteen yards a reception uh, on those fifty-one catches. And you're right. Before that season, he put up ninety-nine grabs for 1,400 yards and six touchdowns, 113 catches for 1,677 and eight touchdowns. I mean, he basically had a stretch of six straight years where he never had less than 1,400 receiving yards, never had less than 88 receptions. He tallied a ridiculous 136 catches for 1,871 yards and eight touchdowns in 2015. I mean, Mm -hmm. Those numbers are Madden-esque. They're ridiculous. Totally eye-popping. He's never averaged fewer than 13.8 yards per reception. The guy gets downfield. Or if he's not downfield when he makes the reception, he makes it happen after the catch. He is literally everything you want in a receiver. The guy is a Hall of Famer, period. Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt that... If you and and that, and that's why this the situation Jamie is interesting because you know the Bills for a while there's no way that a team Buffalo would have been used in trade talks for Julio Jones they would have been the team where they're like oh well Buffalo's interested so let's get the Denver Broncos or the Pittsburgh Steelers to drive up the price and never making you realize that the Bills actually had a chance of landing him 
this is a legitimate landing spot, if you will, for for Julio Jones. And I believe that there were some odds makers out there, um, if you're into such things, that had deemed the Bills to be one of the favorite landing spots in theory, you know, for Julio, who's 32 years old, again, still has a lot of good football ahead of him. I don't think to me this bo- this does not boil down to Julio's productivity. It's it's a logistical nightmare, I think, trying to fit in Julio Jones's salary where it's over 20 million for the 2021 season and the Bills, depending what source you go to, have about 4 million in cap space, not counting the rookies that they need to the rest of the rookies including first rounder Gregory Rousseau who they need to lock up. So with that being said, we all know Julio Jones is fantastic and he's a great, great offensive weapon. Let me run something by you and see what you think, because this is what one of the uh, the trade articles I read about Julio, the cost, what it might because everyone can say, oh, Julio Jones would be a great fit for X team. And you're right. Other than probably the. I don't know, name a team who there's not, there's no team out there that couldn't use Julio Jones. I mean, he's an unbelievable freak of nature wide receiver, but what is it going to take to land Julio Jones, given what Buffalo has committed at the wide receiver spot? Thankfully the bills already have one, two all pros under their wings and Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley. But let me run this hypothetical by you. There's a trade out there that says what it would take for the Buffalo bills to give up Julio Jones. Are you ready for it? Ready for it. There's two versions of it I'm going to give you. The first one is just draft picks. This was set right after, I believe it was early May, this guy ran through a a trade machine, trade value, and said that the Bills could get Julio Jones and a 2022 fourth round pick by sending the Falcons their second, their third, and their fifth rounders in next year's draft, which to me almost is like highway robbery. I would do that in a heartbeat. But here's the caveat. You're going to have to free up cap space to make room for the 15 to $20 million that Jones is going to command in 2021. So are you comfortable giving up a second, a third, and a fifth, and most likely having to part ways with the following players? Jerry Hughes, Cole Beasley, and Mario Addison. That is the hypothetical trade that's out there and the players that the Bills would have to cut. That cap space savings of Jerry at $6 million, Mario at 4 and Cole at 4 that would theoretically get the Bills to a situation where they could afford to pull off the trade. You're Brandon Bean. What are you thinking? I'm thinking I can't let Jerry Hughes go no matter what. Um, Jerry Hughes was my best defensive lineman, uh, really for the past decade straight. And you can make cases for Kyle Williams. Maybe he was that at times, but Jerry Hughes is definitely the best defensive lineman on the roster right now. What did the Bills struggle with? Well, they struggled with pass rush and he's a pass rusher. If I'm Brandon Bean, I don't see any way I can let go of Hughes, but I would consider I would consider moving on from Cole Beasley and Mario Addison because, in essence, you get Julio Jones, who is a better all-around receiver than than is Beasley, for the most part. 
And Mario Addison, you know, the reason he's going to be on the roster is because he's guaranteed so much money this year. Very difficult to get rid of him, but you don't keep him on the roster because he is performing so well. So yeah, I could I could be okay with letting him go. But I can't I can't get past Jerry Hughes. What if let me throw another name out there for you? Yeah, and I'm I'm with you. That was one of the major sticking points to me because again, the draft picks, whatever, like a second, a third, and a fifth, and getting back Julio and a fourth, that's fine. I have no argument with that side of the equation. What it would take to bring in Julio Jones. You figure the second round pick is going to be borderline a third anyway, with the bills expected to make a deep run and pick towards the last two or three picks. If not, hopefully the last pick uh, winning the super bowl in each of these rounds, I have no problem with the draft compensation, but yeah, Jerry Hughes was a major sticking point. I don't feel comfortable turning over the keys to Boogie Basham and Gregory Russo as your starters, along with AJ Epinesa, some combination of those three by parting ways with Mario and Jerry. But let me throw another name at you. What about moving on? I know they just gave him a contract, but Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams carries a cap hit of $6.15 million. The Bills clearly like Spencer Brown and Tommy Doyle enough to draft them both in the third and fifth rounds of the draft. I think Brown has a much better chance of slotting in Right away, you're taking away a a very valuable member of the offensive line in Daryl Williams, who has proven to be a pretty solid buy low candidate last year who cashed in. I just don't know who else on the roster, Jamie, and at what cap figure you're going to move on from to match the number that's going to get the bills back under the cap if they trade for Julio. It doesn't seem likely because I can't put a rookie in to protect my... (laughs) It's basically my franchise at this point. Josh Allen is the franchise. You you just, I don't think that you can trust a rookie unless you've seen them in training camp and they look so good that you say, we have to have this guy on the field because he's one of the best linemen we have. And he's certainly going to send Daryl Williams to the bench. But when it comes to, when it comes to salary cap ramifications, it would be a post-June 1st cut if they were to let any of these players go, which means there would be dead money on the books next year as well. That's just not intelligent roster construction. Yeah, this would be a move that, you're right, goes against everything that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have, have built since coming to Buffalo in 2017. And and here's the other thing that we haven't even touched on yet. Okay, as scary as it would be to have Diggs on one side and Julio Jones on another side and the veteran Emmanuel Sanders and the emerging rookie Gabriel Davis coming into his second year and Isaiah Hodgins. I mean, there's a plethora of talent the Bills could roll out there. But, and Cole Beasley, of course, dominating out of the slot, unless, of course, you part ways with him to get back under the cap figure. But you also would be trading away all of that capital and trading away and giving up all the financial flexibility for a 32-year-old receiver when you know that the Bills have a long-term need at wide receiver beyond this year. Emmanuel Sanders is not the long-term answer. Cole Beasley, as great as he has been, is getting up on the wrong side of – he's above the wrong side of 30. I mean, his career is not going to last another 
six, seven years at this level of productivity. The Bills, if they could make this move for a receiver like, a, I don't know, a Justin Jefferson, a guy who is really young and upcoming, that would make sense. But I feel like you're mortgaging the farm when you really don't even need to. Like the Bills are not one wide receiver away from winning the Super Bowl. I think they have a more than capable receiving core to win the Super Bowl. So if that's the case, why give up all this capital and all these resources to land Julio Jones? The Bills have made it clear in this year's NFL draft that they are trying to build a sustained winner, not a team that's trying to do everything they can to get there once and then let the rest fall as it may after that. They're making some intelligent moves in regard to the future, like paying attention to what the salary cap is going to look like two and three years down the road. That's the only way you can have sustained success in the NFL. And there's another issue. How many footballs do the Bills have to go around? Now, yes, they are a past first team, and the number of receptions by uh, Stefan Diggs this past season was unbelievable. And also, you know, they the number of targets he had was it like something ridiculous, like 160 something. I can't think of it off the top of my head. But if you were to add weapons to this team and say that last trade proposal where you are adding without subtracting anybody from the receiver room, who gets knocked down? Obviously, it's going to be uh, Emmanuel Sanders. Did Emmanuel Sanders sign with this team to be a number four receiver? Now you start looking at things like egos and people getting upset with the role on the team and Stefan Diggs, who seems like a good teammate. What happens if his number of targets drops in half? How many targets does Julio Jones need in order to be content? Because let's face it, the biggest divas in the NFL tend to be wideouts. You know, we don't, we don't actually know. And let me go back to something that you said at the beginning. Now, you were a journalist. You wrote for the sports section of the Democrat and Chronicle for a few years. Is that correct? Yep. I logged about six, seven years with the DNC. Yep. Okay. That's a good long career. And for those of you who don't know, that is the newspaper in Rochester, New York, widely circulated. Great writer, that John Boccasino. What Shannon Sharp did by putting... Julio Jones on speakerphone on live TV and asking the question, was that ethical? I, well, you're, first of all, anytime you bring in ethics with a show that involves Skip Bayless, uh, I have to say that I, I think that they know what they're doing and there's no way. I think it takes two to tango though. I think, I think Sharp knew what he was doing. And I think Julio, I don't know if he necessarily knew that the mic was hot, but I think he knew that the word was going to get out that he, quote, wants to get out of here, uh, referring to Atlanta. So but I, that being said, I still I don't watch that show because I value my sanity and I don't like yelling people screaming opinions at me, just like Stephen A. Smith. I think that the whole thing was staged. I think that Julio Jones was in on it and Shannon Sharp said, hey. I'll call you during the show. This is going to make for some good TV and you're going to be in the news. And he said, ah, oh, let's do it. 
Yeah, I mean, that's definitely it could be part of a publicity stunt out there for sure. I mean, Julio is not minced words when it comes to being uncomfortable and wanting out of Atlanta. So I could easily see that being a scenario. Let me play another scenario for you. And it it does involve we're talking about. So there's, there's this fascinating balance in sports where people both want to win now and want to be set up for future success. And I, that's awesome. Like you want to have a sustained winner, like you said, with Sean McDermott. I am a diehard Chicago Cubs fan and the Cubs hadn't won a world series since the model T was invented back in 1908. (laughs) Good reference. Thanks. 108 long, miserable years without a world series championship. Then in 2016, the Cubs trade for a Chapman, the best closer in the game at the time, and they gave up a rising shortstop prospect named Glaber Torres, who everybody knew was going to be phenomenal, but wasn't ready to contribute to the Cubs in 2016 in their run to the World Series. Now, this is not a Cubs podcast. This is a Bills podcast. If it meant the Bills winning the Super Bowl with adding Julio Jones, you could guarantee that. I think most Bills fans would step back and say, all right, screw it. We'll put ourselves in cap hell for a year or two to finally get that coveted Super Bowl. How do you feel about that one? I'm entirely on board with that. If if there's a guarantee of winning a Super Bowl, that's the reason we as fans show up to to root for them week after week. That's what we want to see. It's what the players want. It's what it's what the whole city wants. If you can guarantee that, with a very typical step back from from the Super Bowl team afterwards because you hear about the Super Bowl hangover and it it's a real thing. Uh, you know, they the Chiefs, okay, it didn't really happen to them. They're kind of a different breed, but it's very very common. So, do teams go from Super Bowl to 8 and 8, 7 and 9? Yeah, they do it all the time. I would I would be good with that. I yeah, I would. But the only way to prevent yourself from falling by the wayside is by not giving up too much capital in the future. And frankly, I think going into the hole by two draft picks is a little rich for my blood. I think that that trade proposal of a second, third, and a fifth while getting a fourth back, I think is too much. Yeah, it's it's definitely, it, especially we just don't know. Look, I don't want to say that Julio is damaged goods because he's been incredibly consistent and reliable, but he did miss seven games last year with that hamstring injury, a grade two strain. And those are more likely to recover than not. But as you get older, it's harder to bounce back from those types of injuries. And so you're just not sure. You're just not sure what you're getting with Julio. So I feel like even though the compensation on the surface is fair enough, it's what the bills would have to get rid of in the cap casualties to make room. Cause, and you know, Julio is not just going to say, yeah, I'm going to play for $5 million. I'm going to play for slightly above the, you know, the league minimum for a, a decent wide receiver. No, he still wants to get paid and he wants to get that super bowl. And that's why I don't think the bills are a good fit. I think this move is rash. Uh, it's an overreaction and it's really something that the bills Like it would be a luxury to have Julio Jones, but they don't need Julio Jones. That's the bottom line, in my opinion. The Bills do not need him to win the Super Bowl. Correct. If you're going to give up resources, you have to put it into a position where you have greater needs. So when you were talking about, you were talking about 
Vegas placing odds on the Bills' ability to trade or their likelihood to trade for Julio Jones, I'll tell you exactly what my thought was when I saw that. Even though they were near the bottom of the list, as far as probability went, take the field. It's He's not going to Buffalo, and for good yep, reason. It doesn't make cap sense. It doesn't make sense with what the Bills would have to give up and who they'd have to part ways with. So, Bills fans, we hope this podcast has helped you to at least come to better grips with the solution of Julio Jones and whether he will come to Buffalo. I will be as surprised as anybody else if he ends up winding in Western New York, but he did. Would you be mad? Again, I think it would have to depend on what they gave up. If it's if it's parting ways with with Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, and Cole Beasley, yeah, I would not be a fan of that because you're taking away a very valuable wide receiver who is is still continuing to be extremely productive and your best two veteran edge rushers to add a receiver who is 32. That that just to me doesn't see. And then you're giving yourself very little wiggle room in the cap. What happens if there's a, a veteran who gets hurt and the bills need to, and they're up against a salary cap and they have no flexibility with their cap figure. I mean, you're putting yourself. And that is guaranteed to happen because you never make it through a season without injuries. Most teams, oh, the Bills have been so fortunate in that regard over the last couple of years. Yes, most teams lose a valuable starter every year, and they, they miss the majority of the season, eight games or more. It's almost guaranteed to happen on most teams. That's why you need to have depth. It's why you can't be too top-heavy in the way you manage your salary cap. Yeah, I, I think that it's um it's fun for us to talk about. It's fun for us to discuss the possibility of adding Julio Jones. But I feel like Emmanuel Sanders was a much cheaper, uh, still very reliable and productive wide receiver to bring in. And the Bills don't have the luxury of going after Julio Jones. So it kind of seems like to me uh, we've, we've run the gamut on what would happen with uh, with this possible addition. And honestly, Jamie, we'll talk about this in a future podcast, but I think there are still some pretty solid veterans out there that the Bills could pursue. To, I don't know, bolster the tight ends, give some support for the cornerbacks, uh, help out with other positions of need, more so than spending all of your capital and all your assets on another wide receiver. I absolutely agree. Address the positions of need. Don't add to a position of strength because you have limited resources. Well, we want to hear from you, Bills fans. What do you think about the Julio Jones trade? Where do you lie on the side of the fence? Should Buffalo go after him? Or is it better to pursue other areas of need to shore up this roster for 2021? You can tweet at Jamie. He is at the Jamie D'Amico. I am at John Boccasino. Also get involved with us on buffalorumblings.com when this article posts. And uh, we appreciate you taking some time here to uh, check out Believe, a Buffalo Bills fan podcast. 